Chapter Two, Part One of *The Doctor, His Wife, and the Clock* by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Two, Part One. When I related to my superiors the details of the foregoing interview two of them coincided with the wife in thinking that dr zabriskie was in an irresponsible condition of mind which made any statement of his questionable but the third seemed disposed to argue the matter and casting me an inquiring look seemed to ask what my opinion was on the subject answering him as if he had spoken i gave my conclusion as follows that whether insane or not dr zabriskie had fired the shot which terminated mr hasbrook's life it was the inspector's own idea but it was not shared in by the others one of whom had known the doctor for years accordingly they compromised by postponing all opinion till they had themselves interrogated the doctor and i was detailed to bring him before them the next afternoon he came without reluctance his wife accompanying him in the short time which elapsed between their leaving lafayette place and entering headquarters i embraced the opportunity of observing them and i found the study equally exciting and interesting his face was calm but hopeless and his eye which should have shown a wild glimmer if there was truth in his wife's hypothesis was dark and unfathomable but neither frenzied nor uncertain he spake but once and listened to nothing though now and then his wife moved as if to attract his attention and once even stole her hand towards his in the tender hope that he would feel its approach and accept her sympathy but he was deaf as well as blind and sat wrapped up in thoughts which she i know would have given worlds to penetrate her countenance was not without its mystery also she showed in every lineament passionate concern and misery and a deep tenderness from which the element of fear was not absent but she as well as he betrayed that some misunderstanding deeper than any i had previously suspected drew its intangible veil between them and made the near proximity in which they sat at once a heart-piercing delight and an unspeakable pain what was this misunderstanding and what was the character of the fear that modified her every look of love in his direction her perfect indifference to my presence proved that it was not connected with the position in which he had put himself towards the police by his voluntary confession of crime nor could i thus interpret the expression of frantic question which now and then contracted her features 
as she raised her eyes towards his sightless orbs and strove to read in his firm-set lips the meaning of those assertions she could only ascribe to a loss of reason the stopping of the carriage seemed to awaken both from thoughts that separated rather than united them he turned his face in her direction and she stretching forth her hand prepared to lead him from the carriage without any of that display of timidity which had been previously evident in her manner as his guide she seemed to fear nothing as his lover everything there is another and deeper tragedy underlying the outward and obvious one was my inward conclusion as i followed them into the presence of the gentlemen awaiting them dr zabriskie's appearance was a shock to those who knew him so was his manner which was calm straightforward and quietly determined i shot mr hasbrook was his steady affirmation given without any show of frenzy or desperation if you ask me why i did it i cannot answer if you ask me how i am ready to state all that i know concerning the matter but dr zabriskie interposed his friend the why is the most important thing for us to consider just now if you really desire to convince us that you committed the dreadful crime of killing a totally inoffensive man you should give us some reason for an act so opposed to all your instincts and general conduct but the doctor continued unmoved i had no reason for murdering mr hasbrook a hundred questions can elicit no other reply you had better keep to the how a deep-drawn breath from the wife answered the looks of the three gentlemen to whom this suggestion was offered you see that breath seemed to protest that he is not in his right mind i began to waver in my own opinion and yet the intuition which has served me in cases as seemingly impenetrable as this bade me beware of following the general judgment ask him to inform you how he got into the house i whispered to inspector d who sat nearest me immediately the inspector put the question i had suggested by what means did you enter mr hasbrook's house at so late an hour as this murder occurred the blind doctor's head fell forward on his breast and he hesitated for the first and only time you will not believe me said he but the door was ajar when i came to it such things make crime easy it is the only excuse i have to offer for this dreadful deed the front door of a respectable citizen's house ajar at half-past eleven at night 
it was a statement that fixed in all minds the conviction of the speaker's irresponsibility mrs zabriskie's brow cleared and her beauty became for a moment dazzling as she held out her hands in irrepressible relief towards those who were interrogating her husband i alone kept my impassibility a possible explanation of this crime had flashed like lightning across my mind an explanation from which i inwardly recoiled even while i was forced to consider it dr zabriskie remarked the inspector who was most friendly to him such old servants as those kept by mr hasbrook do not leave the front door ajar at twelve o'clock at night yet ajar it was repeated the blind doctor with quiet emphasis and finding it so i went in when i came out again i closed it do you wish me to swear to what i say if so i am ready what could we reply to see this splendid-looking man hallowed by an affliction so great that in itself it called forth the compassion of the most indifferent accusing himself of a cold-blooded crime in tones that sounded dispassionate because of the will that forced their utterance was too painful in itself for us to indulge in any unnecessary words compassion took the place of curiosity and each and all of us turned involuntary looks of pity upon the young wife pressing so eagerly to his side for a blind man ventured one the assault was both deft and certain are you accustomed to mr hasbrook's house that you found your way with so little difficulty to his bedroom i am accustomed he began but here his wife broke in with irrepressible passion he is not accustomed to that house he has never been beyond the first floor why why do you question him do you not see his hand was on her lips hush he commanded you know my skill in moving about a house how i sometimes deceive those who do not know me into believing that i can see by the readiness with which i avoid obstacles and find my way even in strange and untried scenes do not try to make them think i am not in my right mind or you will drive me into the very condition you deprecate his face rigid cold and set looked like that of a mask hers drawn with horror and filled with question that was fast taking the form of doubt bespoke an awful tragedy from which more than one of us recoiled can you shoot a man dead without seeing him asked the superintendent with painful effort give me a pistol and i will show you was the quick reply a low cry came from the wife in a drawer near to every one of us there lay a pistol 
but no one moved to take it out there was a look in the doctor's eye which made us fear to trust him with a pistol just then we will accept your assurance that you possess a skill beyond that of most men returned the superintendent and beckoning me forward he whispered this is a case for the doctors and not for the police remove him quietly and notify dr southyard of what i say but dr zabriskie who seemed to have an almost supernatural acuteness of hearing gave a violent start at this and spoke up for the first time with real passion in his voice no no i pray you i can bear anything but that remember gentlemen that i am blind that i cannot see who is about me that my life would be a torture if i felt myself surrounded by spies watching to catch some evidence of madness in me rather conviction at once death dishonour and obloquy these i have incurred these i have brought upon myself by crime but not this worse fate oh not this worse fate his passion was so intense and yet so confined within the bounds of decorum that we felt strangely impressed by it only the wife stood transfixed with the dread growing in her heart till her white waxen visage seemed even more terrible to contemplate than his passion distorted one it is not strange that my wife thinks me demented the doctor continued as if afraid of the silence that answered him but it is your business to discriminate and you should know a sane man when you see him inspector d no longer hesitated very well said he give us the least proof that your assertions are true and we will lay your case before the prosecuting attorney proof is not a man's word no man's confession is worth much without some evidence to support it in your case there is none you cannot even produce the pistol with which you assert yourself to have committed the deed true true i was frightened by what i had done and the instinct of self-preservation led me to rid myself of the weapon in any way i could but some one found this pistol some one picked it up from the sidewalk of lafayette place on that fatal night advertise for it offer a reward i will give you the money suddenly he appeared to realize how all this sounded alas cried he i know the story seems improbable all i say seems improbable but it is not the probable things that happen in this life but the improbable as you should know who every day dig deep into the heart of human affairs were these the ravings of insanity i began to understand the wife's terror i bought the pistol he went on of alas i cannot tell you his name everything is against me i cannot adduce one proof 
yet she even she is beginning to fear that my story is true i know it by her silence a silence that yawns between us like a deep and unfathomable gulf but at these words her voice rang out with passionate vehemence no no it is false i will never believe that your hands have been plunged in blood you are my own pure-hearted constant cold perhaps and stern but with no guilt upon your conscience safe in your own wild imagination helen you are no friend to me he declared pushing her gently aside believe me innocent but say nothing to lead these others to doubt my word and she said no more but her looks spoke volumes the result was that he was not detained though he prayed for instant commitment he seemed to dread his own home and the surveillance to which he instinctively knew he would henceforth be subjected to see him shrink from his wife's hand as she strove to lead him from the room was sufficiently painful but the feeling thus aroused was nothing to that with which we observed the keen and agonized expectancy of his look as he turned and listened for the steps of the officer who followed him i shall never again know whether or not i am alone was his final observation as he left our presence i said nothing to my superiors of the thoughts i had had while listening to the above interrogations a theory had presented itself to my mind which explained in some measure the mysteries of the doctor's conduct but i wished for time and opportunity to test its reasonableness before submitting it to their higher judgment and these seemed likely to be given me for the inspectors continued divided in their opinion of the blind physician's guilt and the district attorney when told of the affair pooh-poohed it without mercy and declined to stir in the matter unless some tangible evidence were forthcoming to substantiate the poor doctor's self-accusations if guilty why does he shrink from giving his motives said he and if so anxious to go to the gallows why does he suppress the very facts calculated to send him there he is as mad as a march hare and it is to an asylum he should go and not to jail in this conclusion i failed to agree with him and as time wore on my suspicions took shape and finally ended in a fixed conviction dr zabriskie had committed the crime he avowed but let me proceed a little further with my story before i reveal what lies beyond that but notwithstanding dr zabriskie's almost frenzied appeal for solitude a man had been placed in surveillance over him in the shape of a young doctor skilled in diseases of the brain this man communicated more or less with the police 
and one morning i received from him the following extracts from the diary he had been ordered to keep the doctor is settling into a deep melancholy from which he tries to rise at times but with only indifferent success yesterday he wrote around to all his patients for the purpose of withdrawing his services on the plea of illness but he still keeps his office open and to-day i had the opportunity of witnessing his reception and treatment of the many sufferers who came to him for aid i think he was conscious of my presence though an attempt had been made to conceal it for the listening look never left his face from the moment he entered the room and once he rose and passed quickly from wall to wall groping with outstretched hands into every nook and corner and barely escaping contact with the curtain behind which i was hidden but if he suspected my presence he showed no displeasure at it wishing perhaps for a witness to his skill in the treatment of disease and truly i never beheld a finer manifestation of practical insight in cases of a more or less baffling nature than i beheld in him to-day he is certainly a most wonderful physician and i feel bound to record that his mind is as clear for business as if no shadow had fallen upon it dr zabriskie loves his wife but in a way that tortures both himself and her if she is gone from the house he is wretched and yet when she returns he often forbears to speak to her or if he does speak it is with a constraint that hurts her more than his silence i was present when she came in to-day her step which had been eager on the stairway flagged as she approached the room and he naturally noted the change and gave his own interpretation to it his face which had been very pale flushed suddenly and a nervous trembling seized him which he sought in vain to hide but by the time her tall and beautiful figure stood in the doorway he was his usual self again in all but the expression of his eyes which stared straight before him in an agony of longing only to be observed in those who have once seen where have you been helen he asked as contrary to his wont he moved to meet her to my mother's to arnold and constables and to the hospital as you requested was her quick answer made without faltering or embarrassment he stepped still nearer and took her hand and as he did so my physician's eye noted how his finger lay on her pulse in seeming unconsciousness nowhere else he queried she smiled the saddest kind of smile and shook her head then remembering that he could not see this movement she cried in a wistful tone nowhere else constant i was too anxious to get back 
i expected him to drop her hand at this but he did not and his finger still rested on her pulse and whom did you see while you were gone he continued she told him naming over several names you must have enjoyed yourself was his cold comment as he let go her hand and turned away but his manner showed relief and i could not but sympathize with the pitiable situation of a man who found himself forced to means like these for probing the heart of his young wife yet when i turned towards her i realized that her position was but little happier than his tears are no strangers to her eyes but those that welled up at this moment seemed to possess a bitterness that promised but little peace for her future yet she quickly dried them and busied herself with ministrations for his comfort if i am any judge for woman helen zabriskie is superior to most of her sex that her husband mistrusts her is evident but whether this is the result of the stand she has taken in his regard or only a manifestation of dementia i have as yet been unable to determine i dread to leave them alone together and yet when i presume to suggest that she should be on her guard in her interviews with him she smiles very placidly and tells me that nothing would give her greater joy than to see him lift his hand against her for that would argue that he is not accountable for his deeds or for his assertions yet it would be a grief to see her injured by this passionate and unhappy man you have said that you wanted all details i could give so i feel bound to say that dr zabriskie tries to be considerate of his wife though he often fails in the attempt when she offers herself as his guide or assists him with his mail or performs any of the many acts of kindness by which she continually manifests her sense of his affliction he thanks her with courtesy and often with kindness yet i know she would willingly exchange all his set phrases for one fond embrace or impulsive smile of affection that he is not in the full possession of his faculties would be too much to say and yet upon what other hypothesis can we account for the inconsistencies of his conduct i have before me two visions of mental suffering at noon i passed the office door and looking within saw the figure of dr zabriskie seated in his great chair lost in thought or deep in those memories which make an abyss in one's consciousness his hands which were clenched rested upon the arms of his chair and in one of them i detected a woman's glove which i had no difficulty in recognizing as one of the pair worn by his wife that morning he held it as a tiger might hold his prey or a miser his gold but his set features and sightless eyes 
betrayed that a conflict of emotions was waging with him among which tenderness had but little share though alive as he usually is to every sound he was too absorbed at this moment to notice my presence though i had taken no pains to approach quietly i therefore stood for a full minute watching him till an irresistible sense of the shame of thus spying upon a blind man in his moments of secret anguish seized upon me and i turned away but not before i saw his features relax in a storm of passionate feeling as he rained kisses after kisses on the senseless kid he had so long held in his motionless grasp yet when an hour later he entered the dining-room on his wife's arm there was nothing in his manner to show that he had in any way changed in his attitude towards her the other picture was more tragic still i have no business with mrs zabriskie's affairs but as i passed upstairs to my room an hour ago i caught a fleeting vision of her tall form with the arms thrown up over her head in a paroxysm of feeling which made her as oblivious to my presence as her husband had been several hours before were the words that escaped her lips thank god we have no children or was this exclamation suggested to me by the passion and unrestrained impulse of her action End of chapter two part one